0: So let me tell you, (laughs) I probably shouldn't tell you this part, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So we had a different show on the schedule for a while. It's a show that senior producer Betsy Kaplan's been working on for a while about puns, but it just wasn't quite ready to do. We didn't have a pun in the oven. You see what I did there. and, and and then I thought well I don't I, what I really want to talk about anyway is Colin Kaepernick and this Nike deal and so that's what we're going to do today and we're so excited about the people who have agreed to do it with us uh, including uh, joining us as he has many times before Mike Pesca host of the Slate Daily podcast The Gist You must be listening to the Gist You must be. Uh, and if you aren't, we will make you. Uh, and the author of Upon further review, the greatest what ifs in sports history also joining us is Charles Robinson, senior writer for Yahoo Sports since 2004 covering the NFL and investigative reporting. Um, Charles Robinson, I'm gonna have you kick us off here uh, because you've been studying this deal itself. We, we I guess we know that that Colin Kaepernick, uh, this controversial inactive NFL quarterback, had some kind of de- kind of dormant deal with Nike. Um, what's going to happen now? What is like this? Is these? He's, he's going to have like merchandise. This is Colin Kaepernick on it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, what happened was uh, Colin Kaepernick's been signed to Nike since 2011, and Nike really didn't know what to do with him uh, following the 2016 season. And really, in the course of the 2016 season, when he began to kneel um, in protest during the national anthem and. Uh, So really, 2016, 2017, and the better part of 2018, nothing was happening with his deal. There was no really endorsement. There was no product line. Uh, A lot of people had forgotten that Colin Kaepernick was even a Nike client. And somewhat surprisingly, from the standpoint of like Adidas, Puma, others in the shoe industry that knew his deal was going to be ending soon, uh, were essentially starting to have those conversations about – is this someone who transcends sports? Do we want to sign him? And then boom, lo and behold, Nike rolls out a contract extension with Colin Kaepernick, but not just the contract extension, one in which he's going to earn a a few million dollars a year in base salary, uh, from what I understand, uh, in excess of $2 million a year in base salary. And then royalties on top of that, that will be tied to product line, a Kaepernick, you know, a shoe, uh, apparel. So this is—it's a pretty big deal from from NFL standards. If he's playing right now that would be considered really a top 10 Nike deal for an NFL player.
0: Yeah, I had already spent quite a bit of money uh, this summer on some New Balance John Brennan uh, intelligence (laughs) foam deal uh, shoes, and so I don't really have money for the Kaepernick things. So, Mike Pesca, you are able, uh, as everyone knows, to astrally project yourself. You do so at night uh, in the privacy of your apartment. When you astrally project yourself into the Nike boardroom, into the places where where Nike decision makers make the kinds of decisions— like the one that they've just made, there almost isn't a decision like the one they've just made. What are you? What are you sensing from there? What? I would love, if you had to guess or astrally project, um, if you had, like, what are they thinking as they do this?
2: Well, first, uh, they quickly table the motion to market air omeroses. so that's one <laughs> that they're not going to do. Uh, the set. I would think that they have. Uh, more of a finger on the pulse of where their customer base is or where much of America is. And they know that even though in news reports and maybe from the presidential tweet deck, uh, the words that attach themselves to Colin Kaepernick are words like controversial a word, or hate or polarizing, they see him as authentic. And they want to capture the old Nike spirit of being rebellious, while at the same time being this gigantic, and we should get into how gigantic, especially uh, as compared to the NFL, but this gigantic, successful company. And so they know that when they had uh, Michael Jordan, when they first signed him, he was a pretty unknown player. He was relatively unknown. And then they had Spike Lee do all those commercials, and there was a lot of rebellion to it. And uh, Phil Knight absolutely venerates Steve Prefontaine. Steve Prefontaine is the athlete that's most baked into the Nike culture to the point where in Shoe Dog, in Knight's book, he says, you know, the uh, last four digits of every phone number of every Nike um, plant around the world spells out the letters Nike on a phone. But if you spell those letters backwards, it's Prefontaine's best time in the mile. I think uh, 354.6, is that right? If I'm getting it right. Anyway, so he, he wants to, I would assume, that they know that the culture is trending in a more authentic, um, convicted direction where standing up for yourself and being a little rebellious is what we're valuing now in a way maybe we didn't when Michael Jordan was saying Republicans buy sneakers too. Who is the person who represents that and how can, And it's very hard maybe to be rebellious if you pick someone who's anodyne. And right there in their mix was Colin Kaepernick, and they've done a lot of testing on him, and they know what their customers and potential customers think. And I think that they probably said, you know, this guy has really lived a virtuous life since uh, he was thrust into the public eye, and he really is a good athlete, and he really does um, inhabit a lot of what we say are our values. I think this guy would be a great spokesman, especially for people who aren't Trump voters, which is to say the vast, vast, vast majority of our customers.
0: Right. I just uh, I want to point out that my uh, iPhone password is Sh- Frank Shorter's birthday. Uh, <laughs> but um, But so, Charles you know he he mentioned michael jordan so michael jordan during his time took a certain amount of criticism for never being political you know right. for how, you know but i think michael jordan's answer to that would be there really isn't a big downside Uh, To my not being political and there might be a downside if I were and and Mm -hmm. so you know nobody's really going to punish me for not having any observable views or principles or or anything like that. But it does feel as though the landscape has changed that in some ways there's there's a group of consumers coming into the market who kind of really seriously more seriously than they did about Jordan want to see some athletes who have some ideas. Right. I mean you know look. I'll say this, Nike knows, in terms of being socially
1: forward, this is not, it's not terribly new territory for Nike. We went through the whole Charles Barkley is not a role model campaign, and that drew a lot of ire. Uh, You know, there was a a lot of negativity, actually, that surrounded Nike for a while because of that. But then they go into things like, if you let me play, which was their Title IX campaign, um, that was a big ad rollout for Nike, very socially forward they're good at reading the landscape of their customers. And I I think the thing that is really important here that people don't know, and as we've touched on already, they've done market research here. They kind of know what's going on in the marketplace. And while that's not public, that's very proprietary for Nike, we know, and I've gotten my hands on some internal NFL research uh, they did through the GPG Group, uh, which is a Washington, D.C.-based consultants firm, Uh, They did it in August of 2017, where they just asked fans about Colin Kaepernick, do you think this is someone who should have a job? And when they got those numbers back, what the numbers said were, this is an individual who is overwhelmingly supported by minorities, overwhelmingly supported by um, liberals, and when it, when it was the age demographic and this is what is truly important to Nike right now, the age demographic amongst millennials, it was almost a three to one support amongst millennials. Now the NFL knows that data, you know, Nike knows that data. So when they're sitting there going, who is absorbing the message? Who are we selling shoes to? Who are we aiming all of this at? Um, Just from a bottom line business standpoint, If you want to inject race into it, the truth is Nike is not aiming for the over 50 white guy. They're aiming for millennials. They're aiming for uh, minorities. They're aiming for a broader base uh, that is to them the next wave of shoe buyers. And to them, that's who will be receiving this message. So there is some numbers driving this.
0: So, Mike, I, you know, we've sort of gotten this far without mentioning the big orange elephant in the room, uh, but we're going to have to do this. So let's um, let's hear how he injects himself into this debate.
3: Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that pitch off the field right now out. He's fired.
4: He's fired.
3: You know, some owner's going to do that. He's going to say, that guy that disrespects our flag, he's fired. And that owner, they don't know it. They don't know it. They're friends of mine, many of them. They'll be the most popular person in this country, because that's a total disrespect of our heritage. That's a total disrespect of everything that we stand for, okay? Everything that we stand for.
0: We had to bleep that expletive. But if you'd like to hear expletives, uh, they are on the gist uh, every single day. Mike promises right at the beginning of the show uh, that you can hear explicit language. Uh, Although I often listen and there's just like not as much explicit language as I'm expecting uh, after that guarantee. So... um, So uh, there's a way, Mike, I think, you know, uh, and I think it it bears pretty well down upon the the kinds of inside Nike information that Charles was sharing with us. There's a way in which this wasn't supercharged and probably wouldn't be supercharged in the way that it is if Trump had stayed out of it. You look at some of the polling and there's a lot of noise, but there doesn't really seem like there's this huge, overwhelming sense that, you know, something has to be done about Colin Kaepernick. No, no, I I
2: totally agree. And uh, it's not it's not Kaepernick anymore. It's the people who took up his cause or at least the other players in the NFL, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and that lot who are protesting still. And so what I always say about the presidential protest or the presidential comments, yeah, the presidential protest, let's put it that way. What I always say is it, it, Wouldn't shock me if there was some really, really small effect of the man with the biggest megaphone in the United States constantly denigrating your product week after week. I mean, there has to be, I would think there has to be a very small, low single digits effect on turning people off Trump fans who are very casual fans of the NFL who are saying, oh, now or unconsciously saying I no longer have fairly warm associations with football now because of what Trump said. But, you know, the major thing and why it works for Trump is that it is true the NFL ratings are going down, but they're going down for the reason that all ratings are going down. And, you know, you can't expect the Trump fan or the Trump acolyte to understand the difference or want to understand the difference between causation and correlation. So once you have that correlation, I suppose it's plausible enough and it's impossible to disprove, but you could say these ratings are going down and it's proof that we're on the right side of this cultural issue. Even though I posit that, uh, that's not why the ratings are going down, but even stronger, uh, like, like the Nike, um, market research shows, they're probably on the wrong side of the cultural issue. And, um, In a way, it says something a lot about democracy. In a way, our actual electoral system with, you know, the votes in the Electoral College and who really gets to vote and who does vote is less democratic than a shoe company's marketing campaign. Because the shoe company, sure, it can emphasize more younger uh, potential customers. But it does seem that Nike is understanding the mood of more Americans – than the quote unquote democratically elected uh, president of the United States,
0: you know, and also uh, Charles is. I mean, it's almost impossible to describe how big Nike really is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, first of all, they make the damn uniforms—the <laughs> uniforms that the yeah. NFL pl- players are, are playing—and Nike makes those. But you know, I also I I was trying to sort of trying to gauge Kaepernick's popularity right now at one point I just typed into Google most popular football player and it turns out it's Christian Ronaldo which is a good point because <laughs> in fact Nike makes and sells stuff all over the world in, in a way you know whatever disgruntled poop kicker you know uh, group is gonna get really mad at Nike and burn their socks or something like that I mean when you look at the, them that way they're not they're not the bucket they're a drop in the bucket.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not even look at the end of the day. I I know everyone, not everyone. There were were individuals who made a a big deal about Nike's stock dropping 3% the day after the Kaepernick announcement. Well, okay, Nike's also up 30 points. Uh, So that that three point drop really is is not to Nike. It's nothing. It's a dip. And and it's I don't even think they correlate, um, you know, that kind of a stock hit. at the At the end of the day, Nike knows what it is. It's a wide moat company when you talk about, you know stocks. Its next nearest competitors are what Adidas, Puma, Under Armour. Well, if you add up the the market cap, the value of Adidas, Puma, and Under Armour, there's less than half of what Nike is worth. That's how global that brand is. That's how strong that brand is. And the football end of it, while it is very lucrative, is still a very small fraction of you know really how nike makes its money and even even this spokesperson uh you could argue that the the most successful spokesperson right now in the nike arsenal is a serena williams it's a i mean there there's other athletes that far eclipse um the impact of of Colin Kaepernick in the world of sport. That's why this, I think for Nike from a supplemental standpoint is so important because this takes them back into the edgier world of social politics, of you know, forward message. Whereas a lot of those spokespersons can't do that in North America, Colin Kaepernick right now absolutely can. So I think that's part of this play for Nike.
0: Mike, were you surprised okay. that... Go ahead, just go ahead. Just yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: yeah, I was just going to point out, if you want to talk about the size of Nike, they're so much bigger than the NFL. And we always say, well, the NFL is big business, and there's a lot riding on Colin Kaepernick. Phil Knight is richer than any owner. He's richer than Paul Allen. He's probably richer than the 12 poorest owners or the 15 poorest owners of NFL teams. Nike makes $35 billion a year in revenue. The NFL makes $14 billion a year in revenue. If so you, if you want to say, well... If- yeah, go ahead. To to yeah, actually
1: to you know inject into that for, so people can understand this, the Dallas Cowboys are are considered to be the most uh, in liquidity. If you were to dole out yeah. in liquidity, purchase the Dallas Cowboys, it's going to cost you about four and a half to five billion dollars. Added up. Okay, so the Carolina Panthers just sold for $2.6 billion. Nike could buy every single team in the NFL tomorrow and still have 20 to $30 billion
0: in market cap to play with. Woo! So, Mike, were you surprised when when President Trump did finally comment on this, it wasn't really with the kind of heat and fire that we associate with him? He sort of talked about, you know, that the whole idea of protest is fundamental to America. I wouldn't necessarily do this. I don't necessarily agree with this. Blah, blah, blah. He made some comment about how they pay him some rent, too, which sounds to me like an emolument, but whatever. But it, it seemed as though suddenly he didn't want to go where he always goes. Is it just that he uses this particular issue on days when Michael Cohen pleads guilty and Manafort gets found guilty and he just wants to talk angrily about something else?
2: Yeah, that's probably a part of it. Um, I would think that as his case gets weaker and weaker, he backs off more and more outrageous statements. But that's to- that's inverse to his actual policy. It is funny to me, we were talking all about the Nike boardroom and them doing market research and focus grouping. You know, Trump talks and he decides what to emphasize based on his focus group of going before a live crowd. I mean, that's famously why Drain the Swamp became such a a, a mainstay of his campaign. He said it once. He was actually doubtful that it would play, and it played really well. Well, you played that clip of him talking about it, and those fans in Alabama hooted and hollered about Nike, and uh, I guess then And, you know, Roy Moore did lose the Senate race eventually. But it seems that now the showman of him, the guy who has his or has his understanding of what his base wants. Maybe you could say that they're sensing that he's sensing that this going into this season isn't the issue it was, doesn't have the distractive uh, potential. And maybe it did have the distracting potential when all we had was that ratings are down and players are protesting. But now we have this huge business that's a lot better and smarter and richer than everyone else in the NFL. And by the way, of course, smarter and richer than Donald Trump. Now that this huge business has cast their lot with Nike and now that we're going to see in real time a sort of referendum on it because the stock is going to go up or down. Maybe he's realizing that it's less effectively polarizing than it once was, but
0: maybe not. Right. So, Charles, uh, last question here. Um... I, just this to kind of lead us into the conversation I'm going to be having uh, with uh, a creative director at an ad- advertising agency in the next segment. But this is. Charles, I think how dumb Nike is. Um, you know, Betsy Kaplan, our senior producer with whom you've been dealing and the woman with whom I share my life uh, with whom you have not been dealing, uh, both of them, uh, I talked to them today. And, you know, when I bring up like gap responsibility in the 3-4 defense, they often don't seem to be as knowledgeable as I would expect <laughs> them or want them to be. Each of them said they could imagine buying Kaepernick merchandise. Nike right. has figured out a way to sell football players merchandise to people who don't watch football that's right. how dumb they are yeah
1: no I mean that's I it, I will tell people when it comes to the NFL and I've covered the NFL on and off for what 18 years now um, I notice the certain far-reaching aspects of the NFL only when my mother knows you know <laughs> my mother doesn't know anything about the New England Patriots but she knows who Tom Brady is and that his wife is Giselle you know so there are certain um, things that, you know, transcend sports into entertainment and culture. And, you know, that, that is a very powerful thing today in, in sports. And, and it always, I mean, it has been obviously for a very long time, but, um when you can sell both sides of that fence the people who are deeply involved in in the minutiae or the granular parts of the game but then also capture the people who watch the super bowl for the commercials uh, you're winning and and really let's be honest that's how nike has become a 130 billion dollar company is because they're winning both aspects of that we talked about you know michael jordan he mushroomed under the just do it campaign he and he and spike lee a a at that time an actor and director Um, You know, Mars Blackman, that was the campaign that pushed, you know, Michael Jordan out culturally and from an entertainment standpoint, not just the basketball, it was pairing him with Spike Lee and the Just Do It campaign. So like I said before, Nike is very good at this. And I I would bet that when we see the returns, the stock returns, the sales returns from the holiday season, we're going to end up seeing that this is a winning issue for Nike.
0: Mike Pesco, ask final quick, thought, yeah. Ask
2: Charles, a quick question. Yeah. Do you think Nike is gleeful that there's this social media campaign of old angry Trump fans burning their Nikes?
1: Absolutely, because I think that, you know, uh, we've heard the cliche before, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And Nike is sitting there and what? it was. An, I think it was Apex Marketing came out and said, look, we we would value... Um, the attention that they got in the first 24 hours after this announcement at $43 million. (laughs) That's $43 million of free advertising. Whether it's positive or negative, it's all net positive to Nike.
0: All right. Final thought, Mike Pesca, Or I have a question for Uh you. Go. Okay. So I think, you know, very few athletes are able to transcend their sports. Um, but one who did and who's an analogous to, to, to Kaepernick in certain ways is Muhammad Ali, right? There are a lot of people who couldn't stay in boxing who loved Muhammad Ali or hated Muhammad Ali. Um, the, the difference seems to be that Muhammad Ali pay, paid a big price. For the political stance that and and the religious stance that he took in his day, Kaepernick obviously has paid a big price too. He's been colluded, you know, out of a job. Uh, but it, there does seem to be a way in which you know we're just living in a very very different time. I don't know if you'd want to expand on that.
2: Yes. Uh, Muhammad Ali was much more accomplished in his sport than Kaepernick was. Let's <laughs> note that. My, my colleague, uh, Josh Levine, wrote an article a couple months ago that I thought might have been premature, but now I agree with it. Colin Kaepernick's already won. And another way that he won, and a comparison with Muhammad Ali, is he gets to live his life, live by his convictions, make his money, and also escape head trauma. And that's something Muhammad Ali, when you talk about paid the price, I think you meant socially, but physically Muhammad Ali was felled by by his sport. And and we're not even thinking that maybe Kaepernick came out luckier than every other quarterback who was made to play the game to make his money.
0: Right. All right. We're going to stop there. But we've been very fortunate, as I said, in our guests, Mike Pesca, host of the Slate Daily Podcast, The Gist. You better listen to today's episode, see what uh, he's going to come up with. Our Charles Robinson, senior writer for Yahoo Sports, uh, covering in the NFL, and investigative reporting as well. When we come back, we're going to join the world of advertising, see how Nike's thinking. Well,
4: my place, my place. Some blue suede shoes stay crispy like bacon Nikes on my feet make my cipher complete uh, I stay shining like the lights on the street in the night Revis take me shopping when I'm up in New York
0: All right. Uh, We are back. And now by we, I mean me and Pat Dugan, creative director and copy chief at Adams and Knight uh, in Avon. You've uh, heard him uh, several years on our post-Super Bowl show. Uh, So more football now. So uh, Charles, uh, in the previous segment, made the point uh, that, uh, you know, famously, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So... Nike, 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 Nike for days and days. Uh, this would be hard for somebody like you to arrange uh, under other circumstances. I assume you think that probably is on balance good.
4: Uh, yes, definitely. It's it's hard to top this for, um, for the advertising value. I think they said $43 million. And, uh, you know, if you do a search for this um, on social media, there's kind of two images that pop up that you always see. One is that kind of sad image of someone who's kind of raggedly uh, cut the tops of their so- Nike socks off. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, you know, that great about that. But the 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 best one, I, I think, the one that Nike probably is is publicizing now, is the one of the the pair of sneakers on fire. And you couldn't right. couldn't ask for a <laughs> cooler, edgier, hipper uh, image for them to be associated with.
0: Right. And I've been on Twitter urging people, if you are planning to set your Nike socks on fire as a protest, make sure you take them off first. <laughs> it's a, just a little public health tip. So one of the things that's really difficult to do in advertising, but is one of the grails, I would assume, of advertising is to get people to switch brands. You know, people form allegiances with brands. So I'm wearing some Brooks uh, running shoes right now. Mm-hmm. Most of my running shoes are New Balance. Um it's mostly because I think they sort of fit me better. I just like them better. I've never been crazy about Nike, and of course, they had some labor. Uh, they always had a little bit of a labor taint to them about overseas labor. I'm thinking about buying <laughs> if I could find some Kaepernick shoes that you know that fit. I would probably buy them. I mean, that's kind of an interesting accomplishment too, right? You could get people interested in your brand who didn't like it before. Yeah,
4: especially um, you know I don't I don't think Nike has really stood for much. Um, you know, in the in the recent uh, uh, recent years or so, um, and now this is is really helping them stand for something again. It's making that that Nike logo that has been kind of like uh, invisible uh, recently uh, feel like it means something again. The the guys talked earlier about you know uh, Spike Lee and Michael Jordan and kind of what the Nike logo stood for back then. Uh, it feels like it's kind of like you know shrunken. In, in aspect and in, in kind of more like a coca-cola uh, McDonald's type of logo that people see but don't really see but this this kind of um, gives it some edge that it
0: it kind of needs I, the other part of this it seems to me is, I mean, when we th- I think sometimes we kind of think backwards when we're thinking about Kaepernick and sports merchandise and stuff like that. The truth is sports merchandise isn't like toothpaste. You can sell toothpaste. You can sell Crest toothpaste in every single city. There isn't a city where, where they don't buy Crest toothpaste. But the truth is a Tom Brady jersey, you, the – that market is probably capped at New England Patriots fans and people whose name is Brady. You know, and other than that, I mean, I hate the Patriots. I wouldn't buy a Tom Brady jersey if I had a sucking chest wound I needed to stuff something <laughs> into. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's kind of true all along. You know, there might be some people who would buy a Cam Newton jersey or something because they just think he's cool. Or it used to be I would see people in Far of jerseys who weren't really Green Bay fans. But mostly this is a pretty restricted to geography or fan base market, like player by player jersey team jersey by team jersey suddenly you've got a guy i I would imagine people in any market might conceivably buy a colin kaepernick thing
4: yeah no that's a great point he he's um he's sort of half athlete half sort of cultural icon right now and um i'm sure that appeals to you know far more people than if he were just an athlete and the other thing to remember is that he's uh you know this is this is a global campaign um, we're 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 looking at it, you know, sort of from an American perspective. But the ju- the new Just Do It campaign is being rolled out across the world uh, across the world, and uh, there's so much more potential there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, people keep saying that Kaepernick is polarizing. I keep thinking, you know who's polarizing to me? The other 31 NFL teams that I don't like, and everybody <laughs> who plays on them. That's who's polarizing to me. I don't like those people. I, I would never buy once again, I would never buy any of their merchandise. And and there's I think another part of this. Now, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I also feel as though, and that Nike is sort of looking to Serena Williams, Odell Beckham, people who have a little bit of an edge. You know, I mean maybe people don't want I mean Mike Trout is, you know, either the best or second or third best player in baseball but I just wonder if people really want Mike Trout stuff he's just kind of not that interesting right
4: right yeah and that's a great point because um, the the whole just do it campaign has always had that sort of um, uh, tinge of like sort of groundbreaking iconoclastic athletes the other people in this he uh, 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 Colin Kaepernick has, has been called the face of this campaign but he's actually just part of a larger campaign with Serena Odell Beckham Jr., like you mentioned, skateboarder Lacey Baker. Um, there's a one a one-handed Seattle Seahawks linebacker. So yeah, there's a, there's a big sort of overall theme of these sort of groundbreaking athletes, um, very bold, um, which is what you know, Just Do It started with back in the '80s.
0: Right. You, we you, you kind of more and more. I mean, Nike has dabbled in this in the past, and I mean, Charles Barkley famously doing the I'm not a role model. Uh, commercials maybe a little bit different. But it does seem as though, I mean, it used to be that your goal as an athlete was to not say anything interesting. I mean, there's that famous scene in, in Bull Durham where Kevin Costner is teaching Tim Robbins how to say the most anodyne and empty things that will never make any news and never commit him to anything whatsoever. You know, and that was sort of how you survived. You know, you you concealed who you were. But I also feel like Millennials in particular are craving authenticity. You know, they they like people like John Stewart. You know, wear their emotions right out where they can see them.
4: Right, and then, and then uh, you, you touched on it earlier, but yeah, millennials are where it's at right now, um, and sixty one percent of them want their brands to take strong stands on social issues. Not just stands, but strong stands. Um, and, you know, Nike's fighting off younger, hipper brands like Van, Vans and Puma um, for the first time um, last year. Nike was not, didn't have the, uh, the most popular sneaker. Uh, the Adidas superstar was, I believe. So I think they're, they're really looking for that way to uh, appeal to millennials and sort of get back into that kind of edgier conversation. Um,
0: By the way, uh, we'll take your phone calls if you have your own comments uh, about what this means and whether you think it's a change in the weather, uh, and if so, what kind of change? 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. So there's a way in which, uh, I think Charles might have said this in the first segment, that you know since he became controversial, then what Colin Kaepernick has done is lead this kind of, I think Charles used the word, saintly existence, but I mean he's given a lot of to charity, and try to be a really good citizen, all this kind of stuff. And so, I gather that Nike is going to fuse his involvement with a kind of know your rights campaign, or I mean, just there'll be some kind of positive civic lesson that they'll try to teach out of all. It's not just edginess and you know, fight the power, right?
4: Right. Um, uh, they they have said they're going to donate money to his know your rights campaign. Uh, from the new apparel and the new uh, Kaepernick sneaker they haven 't said how much or what percentage, but certainly doing something there um, it's kind of interesting to see like you know how far they take their involvement right now. you know I think there's kind of a thin line um, in the ad that everyone 's talking about where they're sort of celebrating um, him and his courage um, as opposed to really like diving into the issue themselves uh, you know most people won 't see that line, but i I, I think it's it exists there for for a reason. Um, so we'll see how, how uh, far they go with it.
0: Right. The initial ad that we saw, the one that uh, I guess Kaepernick started by twid- tweeting on Monday, you know, I mean, it's not about the specific issues that he's involved with. It's more st- uh, stick to your principles, whatever your principles are, uh, message, right? Right. It's uh, The headline is believe
4: in something even if it means sacrificing everything, which is, you know, kind of a... a, a feel-good sentiment and uh, sort of uh, vague. Uh, One of the uh, guys you have on here a lot, one of my uh, colleagues, Rich Holland, I know, uh, took some issue with it and wanted to make it very specifically about police brutality, um, which I totally, totally understand that. But I think that's at odds with sort of the, the higher level, more universal appeal of the of the Just Do It campaign and and kind of the sentiments behind it, which are very much these sort of anthemic, uh, empowering uh,
0: ideas. Um, And by the way, once again, you can call us at 860-275-7266. Is this going to make you buy Mike Nikes? Like if if you never have before, I'm in conversation with a number of people, including myself, about that very idea. Or is it going to make you burn Nikes? And if so, if you picked a safe spot in your yard to do that. 860-275-7266. One of the things that I think a lot about Pat, and I, I don't think about it as, as systematically as as you do, but I, I think I might be right about this. You know, years ago we started talking about the concept of the long tail. You know, and there's a way in which it's better to have three hundred thousand really passionate follower, followers than a million people who just think you're pretty good, you know, think you're really cool or something like that. You, because if you want somebody to buy an $180 pair of sneakers, they're probably not going to do it if you're just sort of Cam Newton and you're not a Panthers fan and you just kind of think Cam Newton's, yeah, he's a really good football player. Mm. That's not going to make me spend $180. So, you no, know, it, it, it's it's not that Colin Kaepernick has to get 51% of sports fans on his side or... Or or anything like that, right? He has to really command a passionate enough following so that people, a large group of people, will go out of their way to make. I mean, from Nike's point of view, Kaepernick may be thinking about this in a whole different way.
4: Right. Well, even if you know, even if it's if they don't buy you know, specifically, uh, the, whatever the new uh, Kaepernick merchandise is, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, since he's not really associated with a team now, right? right. I, I don't know exactly what what, what uh, colors it's going to be or anything like that. But even if they don't specifically buy that, you know, I think it's going to, that, that Kaepernick aura is going to rub off on Nike and just translate to the logo itself. And people are just going to buy more Nike apparel in general, just to kind of, have you know have that say something about them? I'm I'm sort of on the side of, of progress or activism or whatever they want to attach to the Nike uh, the Nike brand. I know it really is sort of interesting.
0: The way I mean I, I the only parallel, oddly enough, that I can think of between Colin Kaepernick and another creature of the sports world. Is the Whalers. The Whalers don't play hockey anymore, but their like their merchandise is really popular. <laughs> so among the, I think it is more popular in some cases than than merchandise of active hockey franchises, at least in, in some markets. Uh, and here's Colin Kaepernick not playing football, uh, and th- this is unusual to have an inactive athlete. Not he's not inactive by choice. Uh, and to have him have that kind of market power.
4: Right. And, um, uh, you know, are they going to give him, you know, his own special logo? Uh, the Whalers certainly have an iconic logo, so that that's helping them a lot. And I think, uh, you know, wearing it says something about you if... if uh if you're out there with a Whalers jersey on.
0: That's a really interesting question. What, what would a Kaepernick logo look like? I mean, there's somebody, there's like a lot of people working on this right now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I
4: don't remember seeing one, but, you know, if Michael Jordan's got the Jumpman one. Uh, there's certainly been uh, other ones out there. So, you know, what is what is the logo? You know, what does it stand for? What, are they, what kind of meaning do they uh, try to infuse into it?
0: They can't just do CK because Calvin Klein. You know, they've got to do... <laughs> They've got to do something, as you say, something that kind of looks like something. Right, exactly. Um, that's a really fascinating question. Okay, we got a lot of people calling in here. I declare that what we're going to do, Pat Dugan and I are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll take a few of your phone calls. We've got some more things we want to talk about. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Give us a call. A lot of people already are. <laughs>
5: Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan. With help from me, Kyone Wolf, the part of Bill Curry was played by Merlin Olson. On tomorrow's show, the science of the
0: search for meaning. And now, back to Colin. All right, we are indeed back. We are talking uh, about Colin Kaepernick's resurgence and re-emergence, not as a football player, but uh, as a one of the leading spokespersons for Nike's new advertising campaign and merchandise as well. Pat Dugan, uh, creative director and copy chief at uh, Adams at Night in Avon, uh, is here with me. One thing that I maybe Charles didn't mention this, so we should mention it, Pat. I mean, one reason that I'm sure... Nike has spent a lot of time thinking about this, focus gripping it, working out how to do it. But there was also this there were rumors that as Kaepernick's contract with Nike, it's, which had been around for a long time, got close to its expiration, there were other suitors sniffing around.
4: Right. Yeah, I heard I heard uh, Puma and Adidas mentioned as people who were uh, kind of getting ready to snap them up if Nike didn't want them
0: anymore. Um, so that that'll always, you know, if uh, you know, you're dating somebody and won't make a commitment uh, to that person, that person will usually start dating somebody else. Um, all right, so that may have probably, that very probably, it might explain also why I was on the Nike official store site today, and I typed Kaepernick into the search field. And there were no products. It kind of just directed me to a generic Nike, you know, here's what we're doing uh, these days page. All right. So let's go to the phones here. We're going to start with uh, Tony in New Haven. Oh, no, we're not going to start with Tony in New Haven. He has gone. Tony, call us back if you want to, though. Um, All right. Here's Sandy in Glastonbury. Hi, Sandy. You're on the air. I'm not doing well with phones right now. Sandy, Sandy, can you hear me? Yeah, she may have the radio on. All right, I'm going to keep trying here. Fortunately, I have a lot of phone calls to pick from. Uh, all right, let's try Michelle in Winchester. And if this one doesn't work, I'm going to give up on phone. Call. Oh, Westchester. Excuse me, Michelle. Can you hear me?
5: Yes, I can. Oh, can good. you hear me? I, I can hear you, you too. Have yes, good it's good cell phone. You, you where sound I live. just
0: fine, just fine. So, what's on your mind?
5: My, my comment was, I agree with um, the football player in his action. And it's not disrespectful to take a knee. When you take a knee, that's what you're doing in a cemetery or any other religious thing anyway. But I was looking up word in a dictionary I needed to write a letter. And Nike means victory. And yes. I believe it's Greek.
0: The winged goddess of victory. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. So you're writing like a letter to the editor or something?
5: No, to my, to just my a brother. Oh, just a
0: letter to your brother. All right. Well, I hope the letter goes well. Uh, thanks for calling in. We were talking about that the fact that we you know, haven't seen the the Kaepernick logo. If they wanted to be really edgy, Pat, they could do some kind of kneeling figure. My guess is they're not going to accentuate that aspect of Kaepernick,
4: but yeah. who knows? I, I wouldn't be surprised if some, some sort of uh, uh, activism uh, message gets in there, but it'll probably be uh, fairly subtle.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to uh, Eric in Farmington. Hi, Eric. You're on the air. How are you doing there fine
3: so i'm um, I am uh, applauding this move by Nike. I think it's a courageous move for a courageous guy and uh, uh, I, I think it's a shrewd business move, and I love your discussion, especially about what logo they'd use <laughs> i uh, I personally like a kneeling afro guy
0: mm hmm well, you know, they made, there could be one product maybe they do that with, but I, I, I'm i guessing, I defer to Pat, he's the advertising guy, but I'm guessing they're not going to be that on the nose uh, about uh, uh,
4: it. And, and uh, the timeliness worries me about that, too. You know, it, I'm sure they want this to ha- be a, a long-lived brand, and, uh, you know, it, it may come to mean more over over the years. You know, the, the Jordan Jumpman logo is, is timeless, but um, the kneeling... Afro guy, as you say, uh, <laughs> might have a shelf life.
0: Right. And I mean, th- it's an interesting question, too that, I mean, you know, we, I think we have alluded to this, but um, Colin Kaepernick's collusion lawsuit against the NFL, alleging that they're essentially essentially keeping him out of football, that the NFL owners are colluding to deprive him uh, of employment, uh, has been given a, a go-ahead by a judge right around this time. But there's no real guarantee that this man will ever play football again. You know, the, the, the th- it's an unusual thing that this patent could split in either of two directions. Maybe somebody, particularly... particularly... Particularly as a result of uh, what Nike's done, and if there's sort of a lot of approval and approbation that goes with that and everything, and the Nike, if the, you know, the uh, Kaepernick stuff is flying off the shelves and you're the Cleveland Browns and you're thinking, well, you know, um, yeah, maybe, maybe we should take a chance. Um, You know, there's sort of that. Or there's this idea that this logo and this brand and everything, the mentality that goes with it, has to last through the entire winter of Colin Kaepernick's athletic career
4: right exactly and and you know you mentioned uh someone mentioned earlier about the um you know they kind of had him under contract and were figuring out what to do with him now they've sort of figured out what to do with him they made him the face of this of this ad that's uh, everywhere all of a sudden but they still have to figure out what to do with him um if he's not going to be playing especially so i know th- they did say that the just do it campaign uh, is being rolled out to target cities mexico city shanghai beijing seoul Uh, Milan among them. So, you know, whether uh, he's part of that, that rollout, I don't know. They haven't really said what that rollout is. But, um, you know, is he going to become kind of a, a traveling spokesperson?
0: Right. I mean, he's got free time. So uh, presumably he could do that. I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if this were an event driven thing, you know, that they're that they're going to do kickoff events in a lot of these cities. Uh, and the page that I got directed to today, which they couldn't send me to a Kaepernick product, kind of was more about events. They didn't mention a Kaepernick event, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do stuff like that. Uh, let's go to Steve in Franklin. Hi, Steve. You're on the air.
3: Hi, Colin. Uh, just a quick comment, and then I'll, I'll get off so he can speak on it. Um, I applaud what, what Colin is uh, Kaepernick is trying to do. I just wonder if we're losing some of the focus by talking about uh, the logo that might come out for him or how shrewd a strategy this was by, by Nike. Would he not have accomplished more about the real issue that he's trying to have his focus on by perhaps maybe in a low-key way, meeting with the local police, with colleagues, with teammates, maybe with the team, and setting up sessions showing uh, youth in school, 17- and 18-year-olds, that, you know, we're not enemies, we're friends. Uh, These people here are to protect us, and and setting up that type of of, uh, way of getting the message out there, rather than uh, than this approach. My thought is that he might have accomplished more by
5: doing
0: that. But, I mean, he does already have civic organizations, his own civic charities, this Know Your Rights movement, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's also been a major donor to to charities that help uh, inner city kids, has spent a lot of the money that he he did get from his NFL career on this. It's not like this, I I mean, I think it's sort of unfair to suggest this is the only thing that he's doing. He's been doing tons of the kind of stuff, exactly the kind of stuff that you're talking about.
3: Is he doing it together with the police?
0: You know, I don't know how many times he's actually collaborated with the police on this and whether or not the police want to collaborate with him would be uh, another question. Um, And, Pat, I know this is maybe a little bit outside of of where you necessarily want to go. Although one thing I, I will say about this is that I think one thing that happened to Kaepernick was to a certain degree, he let himself get defined in the wrong way. An awful lot of people talk about this as disrespect for service members, disrespect for the American flag, and stuff like that. And Kaepernick was very clear from the beginning; he was concerned about racial injustice, and he was especially concerned about Black Lives Matter I- issue. But in some way, like if you ask the av- if you look at the s- expressions about this on Twitter and stuff like that, people bring up. S- members of the military service and the flag and stuff like that, which was never where he wanted to go. And that may have been a little bit of an error on his... I mean, he may have needed to pay more attention to how his protests got understood.
4: And that's a great example of what Nike can do for him. Um, you know, yes, of course, they're they're in it for business and, and marketing themselves. But if they can help him sort of uh, reframe the whole the whole issue... And Steve, I think your ideas are great in terms of, you know, could a campaign a Nike campaign, show him actually outdoing some of those things and working with police officers and start to bring a little bit more of a, a, a positive uh, message to it and showing what, what he actually is doing since he's not on the field. Um, I think there's some some
0: good uh, thoughts there. Um, all right, uh, here's Bob from Manchester. Hi, Bob, you're on the air.
5: Hi, just a quick comment. Um, my only problem with the whole thing is that um, Nike's history of, of the way their product is made and, uh, themselves are, are, are known for treating people poorly. I think they're using Kaepernick, um, basically. Um, and, um, I thought he could have probably done something with somebody else. And that didn't have such a, s- a sordid history.
3: Right. So
0: own. we should say that Nike had a very sorted history in the 90s, and then they kind of cleaned up their act. And I'm told by my producer, Betsy Kaplan, worked with independent monitoring groups for a while. And lately, there's some reports that they're kind of slacking off with that kind of stuff a little bit, may have kind of drifted back into some of their evil ways. But on the other hand... I mean, there's also a way in which you put pressure on yourself as a company. If you're going to associate yourself with Colin Kaepernick and Serena Williams and people like that, um, maybe ultimately uh, Pat, there's a way in which that puts a little bit of pressure on Nike to be the good guys
4: yeah definitely i think uh you don't do this unless you're ready to sort of back up back up your words and actions and, and image so and i ha- they have gotten in in some trouble recently i think for some workplace uh issues or something like that so they're uh they're definitely um i'm sure looking at at this as sort of a, a way to uh help people look at them differently.
0: Right. I mean, uh, not which is not to dismiss Bob's point at all, but I mean, they definitely had a problem. It seemed for a while like they were working on that problem. They may have drifted away from their core principles. But I mean, uh, you know, this might be a, a way to lead them a little bit back. If they discover they seem to be under the impression right now, and I don't think it's a false impression, that principles are fashionable. And I guess one other thing that we can say here, uh, maybe we'll grab one more call before we're done. But uh, actually, let me grab the pa- call so we don't run out of time here. This is Patty in Norwich Town. Hi, Patty. You're on the air.
5: Hi, Colin. I'm uh, calling with a comment made by my um, mother, who passed away in her 100th year at the end of this past April, Mm -hmm. but she she listened to NPR. She was blind, so audio books and radio were her source, Mm -hmm. and she went off on a rant when this whole thing came out about Colin, Colin Kaepernick, and her comment was, If this man wanted to show disrespect, he could have turned his back or raised his fist. He got down on a knee. And when you are on your knees, you are showing reverence. How else was he going to call attention to this racial injustice? And then she continued on and on, and I was astounded. My mother was quiet, humble, unassuming, um, but I guess she turned into a philosopher in her older age. So I just want to put that out there. That um, I really did not think of it as disrespect. Patty- disrespect was burning the flag. Right. Uh, it's, it's a whole different. It's a whole different thing.
0: Patty, your mom sounds pretty cool. Uh, thanks for calling. Uh, oh, she you're sounds, so welcome. Sounds I just like a wanted good to
5: get it out there. Thank you for taking my call.
0: All right. We're pretty, we are out of time. I'll just quickly just stop and uh, first of all, thank everybody who helped to get the show together uh, and thank my guest here in the studio right now, Pat Dugan, creative director and copy chief at Adams and Knight in Avon. Uh, Betsy Kaplan is very upset that I denigrated her understanding of gap responsibility in the 3-4 defense. That's obviously something we'll have to air out uh, in our staff meeting or one of our uh, drum circle retreats. Uh, But thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to everybody who helped. Uh, Thanks to Wolfie on the board there. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow.